Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Meet the Thriller Author. My name is Alan Peterson and I am going to be the host of this podcast. I am also an author of thrillers. I have two books published, She's Gone and The Asset, and they are part of the Pete Maddox uh, series, although they are standalone novels. They do feature the main protagonist, uh, Pete Maddox. I have always uh, been a fan of thrillers. What I read right now and this is what I've been reading for as long as I can remember. And so when I decided that I was going to write a, a book myself, I decided to focus on a genre that I know well and that I love, which is the thriller genre. And so this, that was the same approach that I took when I decided that I, that I thought it'd be fun to have a podcast where I would interview other authors. Um, but I figured that uh, instead of uh, being all over the place, I was going to try to narrow it down a little bit and just to focus on the genre that I love, which is thrillers. And that's why in this uh, podcast series uh, for each podcast I'll be interviewing a different author of a thriller book I will keep the the, the description of thriller a little bit broader for the purpose of this podcast uh, there can be a lot of debate of what exactly a thriller is uh, but basically anything that can fit in the Amazon category of mystery thrillers and suspense those are the type of authors that I'll be interviewing uh, during this podcast so, uh, police uh, procedurals, uh, hard-boiled detective series, espionage, that type of stuff, but also uh, cozy mysteries, suspense. Those are the authors that I will be uh, interviewing uh, during the this podcast. All right, so after that little mini uh, mission statement, uh, let's get uh, things rolling here with the very first episode of Meet the Thriller Author, and we'll be talking with uh, Diane Patterson. Welcome to Meet the Thriller Author, and today's podcast, you'll be meeting author Diane Patterson. Diane is the author of the Drusilla Thorne Thrillers, and so she's here uh, today for the very first episode of Meet the Thriller Author. Hi, Diane. How are you? Hello. Welcome. Thank you so much for being the first one. Yeah, this is exciting. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. it. Before we get going here, I have some questions for you, of course, but uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how about your books and then just a little bit of uh, little background info. Okay. Let's see. I have been writing for a very long time. I recently, not recently, five or so years ago, found the first story I ever wrote, which uh, I think I was three or four years old and I wrote it for my grandfather. It was about a magic wishing well. So I've been writing genre for a very long time. I wrote fiction and then in the early 90s, I got interested in screenwriting, went to film school at USC, got a degree in uh, screenwriting and MFA, master's degree in screenwriting. Spent a couple of years down there. Then my husband, uh, his job led us back up here to the Silicon Valley where we live now. And for a variety of reasons, screenwriting is much better done in the greater LA area. And lots of people have discussed this, but uh, uh, it, it really is. So I turned, I turned back to fiction writing and discovered that it's a whole different set of muscles. <laughs> it really is. But I also discovered this thing called NaNoWriMo. So I had started a number of novels and not finished them. And with NaNoWriMo, I actually finished one. It was terrible and needed a lot of rewriting. Uh, by the way, if you do NaNoWriMo, please be advised that most likely your book is going to be terrible and need a lot of rewriting. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. It was a, it was a lot of fun and it's a lot 
more personal than screenwriting because you can dream up any scenario you want, you can have anything happen that you want, and you don't have to worry about budgeting or the constraints of television, et cetera, et cetera. So I started writing and uh, I got to the point with, uh, you know who I am was actually the first book that I wrote. And uh, I finished it early 2008, I think, which is why <laughs> hilariously, there's a number of sort of old fashioned uh, technology things in it that sort of crack me up every time I read them. But when I wrote it, it was the way things were done. And I found an agent very quickly. <laughs> I, I, I sometimes feel bad saying that and sometimes I don't. <laughs> but I found an agent very quickly and she sent it out. And basically we got a ton of rejections saying, uh, this was great, we can't sell it. Uh, this is great, we don't know how to market it. Uh, do you have anything else? And I was like, oh, my poor book. And a friend of mine said, have you thought about self-publishing? And I said, no, self-publishing is what people who don't know what they're doing do. I would never do that. Put it in a drawer, forgot about it. A couple of years later, pulled it out, said, you know, this book isn't half bad. So I uh, got it edited. I hadn't, I had done all the editing myself up until that point got it edited by an uh, editor who had done a lot of mystery work. Lopped, uh, lopped about 20,000 words out of it. It was about 95,000 words. Put it up on Amazon and got a lot of uh, pretty good feedback. A lot of, uh, I then proceeded not to publish anything for another year. <laughs> <laughs> we can get into that, but, uh, and then I published two more last year. And this year I'm getting my book Book four, ready, kind of not done yet, but ready to uh, to publish. So the book that you're working on now is also Lucilla Thorn. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm working on a side project which came out of nowhere, uh, which is a series of I I don't know how to put this exactly, uh, sort of zombie romps set in the San Francisco Bay Area. Oh, cool. <laughs> Which is weird because I don't read post-apocalyptic fiction and I refuse categorically to watch The Walking Dead, but <laughs> I'm sitting, I was having insomnia one night and suddenly this whole idea occurred to me and I'm like, oh, thanks a lot. Yeah, you can't fight it, right? <laughs> yeah. And they're like shorter novellas. And for some reason, novellas, I have no problem writing novellas novellas mm. it's like i have the whole thing in my head and i can just sit down and write it novels i'm still fighting against myself anyhow we can go into that but yeah so at the moment i'm working on a drusilla thorn mystery and as a back burner thing i have these zombie novellas so what got you into uh, writing uh, thrillers did you is that something that you enjoyed to reading before always loved them i've loved thriller novels i love thriller movies uh, one of the one of the jokes I make is around Christmas time. Uh, my husband and I both love Alan Rickman movies. Mm -hmm. Mine is Die Hard. His yeah. love actually, <laughs> you know, you you give me the choice of a thriller movie or a rom com at the movie theater. There's like no question which one I'm going to pick. I've read all the Robert Ludlum novels growing up. That kind of thing. So those are the, those are some of the, your influences then, Robert Ludlum and. Let's see, Robert Ludlum, Stephen King. Uh, boy, who else did I read? Loved the mystery novels of Lauren Henderson, uh, who's a British uh, author. Mm, let's check uh, her out. Yeah, she, uh, she does. She 
wrote about five of them, the Sam Jones series, and then stopped, uh, possibly because it's a little unusual to have a, uh, a non-cozy mystery series with a, a female protagonist, but we can get into that too. Hmm. Uh, one of the great things about self-publishing uh, is that you can have a slightly offbeat main character. Yeah, I think that's a big bonus for readers too. You get to read a little things that are a little different from the standard norm. And there's tons of stuff that's like the standard norm too, but you don't have to wait, unless you're me, uh, <laughs> you don't have to wait 12 months for the next book. There's yeah. a lot of material out there. So. Mm -hmm. Now that you find yourself, you're, you're writing and doing all these other things, do you still find time to read? And are you still reading thrillers? You know, I... I haven't been so much. Mostly when I read, I've been reading nonfiction. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly it's research or things I'm interested in. Something I've noticed is that my reading actually has gone down, and I'm not sure whether it's because of ebooks. Interestingly enough, uh, my my husband and I used to have date night every week when the kids were really little, and we half the time would end up at a bookstore and buy like armfuls of books. And since eBooks really came along, we don't do that anymore. Uh, I live in the Silicon Valley. It's 10 miles to the nearest bookstore now. It's crazy. Or at least I guess the nearest major bookstore. We have a little one downtown, which has a, which has a good selection, but it's primarily uh, the, the big sellers. So. Yeah, yeah, the bookstores are going out. There's, there, there isn't a, a Barnes and Nobles or a, or Borders anymore here in San Francisco. I have to go over the bridge <laughs> if, I, if I want to. Wow, I yeah. mean, I knew, I knew Borders had closed because they closed everywhere, but Barnes and Noble too, really. Yeah, yep. Only small independent ones are left. Um, so now, so what exactly inspired you to write your first book then, the, or this, the, your current series? This was actually a character I had come up with for a screenplay that I wrote at USC that, and I really enjoyed writing her. And it was funny because a number of the criticisms I received from it is, wow, she isn't nice. Wow. Uh, she, you know, wh where's the romance? And I'm like, having romance didn't occur to me once <laughs> in writing because I, I don't read a lot of it. I'm not writing it. Not to say that I'm anywhere in a category near these people, but this is sort of at the beginning of the great anti-hero push in television, uh, The Sopranos and Walter White and stuff. The hero, the, the extremely tarnished uh, or even criminal main character uh, who hopefully is interesting, but is not always on the side of right. Yeah, I think that's great too, especially with the, uh, um, you don't see that uh, as often either with uh, female uh, protagonists. So that's kind of cool. You have it, uh, you know, she's an, she is an anti-hero. You usually don't hear that too much. It's tough, uh, particularly if you want to do a series mm -hmm. because you need the people to keep coming back. And you could see actually there's one, uh, Patricia Highsmith with her Ripley novels. And of course, Ripley is a man. Uh, she did a series of novels where Ripley is the main character and he's also the bad guy for most of it. But it's, it's an interesting and sometimes extremely difficult task to pull off. Yeah, do you think that's probably one of the reasons why like the, tr the traditional route kind of pushed back? They didn't know, because they weren't used to that. I, 
I know I did think that. Uh, I'm really of the mind now that it doesn't matter uh, if I had one of these hundred million dollar corporations that was trying to serve the greatest number of people, I might concentrate on well-known tropes as well. Mm -hmm. And I shouldn't say tropes. I mean, well-known categories, well-known, uh, because it is quite an investment to come out with a book, a physical book in hundreds of bookstores for people. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> and so now where do you get your ideas for your books? One thing I do a lot since, since uh, particularly the web makes this so easy is I read a lot of articles online, uh, you know, following links here, you know, Twitter is a great source of this. And I read these, if a story is interesting to me, I clip it via Evernote web clipper and I store it in Evernote. I have probably thousands of articles <laughs> stored in there and I tag them. And so if I'm looking for something, what, for instance, I was categorizing all of my articles once and I discovered that I had clipped three or four articles on, uh, you know, there was, there was tremendous housing growth in the Central Valley during uh, the late 90s or something. And then the, uh, the market collapsed, right? Mm -hmm. So they had all of these freshly built houses that no one was living in. So I had clipped three or four articles about how pot growers had moved in and turned all of these abandoned houses into grow houses. And I said, apparently there's something about that story that really, really fascinates me. <laughs> Uh, so the, not, did you, not did that you, I have written about that yet, but boy, do I really, I really want to fit that into a story somehow. I just, I just love that. That's just like California to me in one, in one crime article, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You see this like a little scene or something that we, that's, that's kind of interesting, like kind of cool, kind of interesting in an abandoned property. <laughs> well, the, the basis for, uh, everybody takes the money, which uh, came out last year was, um, uh, an article that I read uh, about a guy in Mon Montana, an uh, upstanding member of the community uh, who was using his lending firm basically to uh, get exchange of services from young women. Oh. Yeah, it was, now I, I, in writing about it, I ended up having to change a great deal, but that was definitely the genesis of the idea. Uh, another one, the... Um, uh, one of the things that went into The Sound of Footsteps was a story that someone had told me a long time ago about a haunted house that she lived in that turned out to be not so haunted. Uh, and and just the the impact of her telling me that story has always stayed with me. And that was like 20 or 25 years ago. So. Oh, awesome. 20, 25 years later, you incorporated into the story. Into yeah, the book. you know, it's like. And it was difficult because when I would tell people about it, they'd go, ooh, ghosts. And I'm like, yeah, it's not actually haunted. How do I, how do I explain this to people? Yeah, without avoiding the spoil, without spoiling it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> because I, I mean, I love uh, horror thrillers. I love um, urban fantasy. Uh, I think I've, I, I mean, I, I bought Jim Butcher's first book <laughs> when it was his first book. Um, but I find what, humans do to other humans to be 
much closer to what I want to write about. I, I don't, except for the zombie thing, which mm -hmm. is kind of turning into a comedy thing. Uh, mostly I write about what people do to other people. Yeah, that's usually even more frightening, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so now you mentioned that you, your background in uh, writing screenplays and, or working in television. Uh, yeah. So do you find that films and television, uh, pop culture, is that play into your storytelling? Some, I don't think you can get away from it. Mm -hmm. um, there's some things that I'm definitely aware of that I don't want to do because I have seen them so often. And then there's some things that I realize people really want. Uh, for instance, in the original uh, conception of this character, back when I was doing the screenplay at USC, uh, she was, her companion was a young woman that she had rescued uh, from a bad situation. And my mentor said, it's your younger sister. It's what the situation you have is way too complex to explain to an audience. It's her younger sister. That's why she's taking care of her. And I went, oh, well, having them be sisters and actually the whole relationship there uh, is based on something that uh, happened to a friend of mine. Uh, I don't know if I should tell this anecdote, but <laughs> I noticed that he and his sister had very similar names. For instance, uh, Daniel and Danielle. And I said, what did your, <laughs> did your family just run out of names? <laughs> and he said, no, it turns out my younger sister was named after my father's mistress. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't find that out until much later. I went, yeah. oh, <laughs> in case you're wondering what kind of people you meet at Stanford. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so little, little things stay with me and come back. That was actually was going to be one of my questions was whether your personal experiences or people you know, they influence, make it into your books and it looks like the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, but, but for instance, people always say, you know, if someone really makes you angry, you should kill them off in your next book. And I have tried. There's one person that I desperately tried to kill in my book and I'm like, this is just not interesting enough. I wonder what that says about my anger about this person. Maybe I should just let it go. <laughs> uh, you didn't make enough of an impact on me to for me to kill you in one of my books so and now are there any similarities with your characters and you just that our names start with d <laughs> okay uh in a lot of ways it's well i know in that kind of situation i would completely swallow my anger and try to maintain civility she has mm. no problem causing a problem <laughs> with it so i guess you know from that aspect there's a little bit of wish fulfillment in there um no i'm much i'm much actually closer to the younger sister who's very quiet and very reserved <laughs> so now when you're um so you, you mentioned the the clipping articles to evernote and and all the research that's available out there uh, do you find that challenging when you're trying to write i mean is there like a could be like a lot of information overload or what's your process to get everything going and to start actually writing your, your, your novels? Sometimes if there's uh, an element of my book, uh, I don't, I don't do a lot of the, um, let me explain DNA testing to my audience. That that's not a big factor in my storytelling. Uh, what, for instance, 
if I did have DNA testing as a as an aspect of my book, I think I would try to um, mention the various steps, you know, they would need to match. I don't know anything about DNA testing. Uh, they would need to match these uh, parts of the of the DNA or whatever. I probably wouldn't go into the specifics of the machines that they use. And if I needed it to happen in three days instead of two weeks, I would have zero problem. <laughs> it's okay if it isn't exact. I love that aspect of some books where they show a part of a world that you don't know anything about. I never trust that it's exact. When research takes the place of character development or plot development or whatever in a book, I actually, I toss yeah. it across the room. Yeah, what is it? Is that that show, and, show, don't tell, or tell, don't show? What is that one? That's saying that they always say? Show, show, don't tell. And, you know, I think that there's absolutely a place and time for telling. Mm -hmm. We don't need to see them have breakfast every morning. You can just say they had breakfast and then move on. You know, my sister loved the James Mishner novels. Love oh, them. I tried. I, I tried to get them to save my life. So. Yeah, I tried to read. Everybody's some... looking for something different. Yep, I remember reading Centennial, and it was like hundreds of pages about dinosaurs. I'm like, I thought this was a western. <laughs> <laughs> Took me a while to to figure that one out. Yeah. Uh, so now, uh, so when you're writing, where do you usually write? Uh, I write right here. This is my treadmill desk. I'm standing at the moment. Oh, cool. uh, I have my MacBook Pro over here to the side, and it's connected to an, uh, an old iMac. That's my giant screen. And I'm generally walking at a very slow pace uh, while I write. So you're actually walking and writing at the same time, huh? Yeah, I usually cover five to seven miles a day that way. Wow, that's cool. And, and, and you know, it's not exercise. Like, I have, a, I have an Apple Watch. And... Um, it never shows up as actual exercise because you're walking so slowly that it doesn't <laughs> raise your heart rate, but it's, I can't sit for long periods of time because of my back mm -hmm. and my standing posture is terrible. I'm like always doing stork pose, but walking nice, easy, gentle walking works great. So yeah, it's better than sitting, sitting, uh, all day. Eh? Uh, yeah. and how that one goes. I've, I've heard a lot of good things about the walking, the treadmill desk. Yeah. I, I love it. Well, can you describe like your, uh, I know it's hard to say a regular or average, but what's kind of like your writing day uh, usually go like? It, it's funny. I've gotten, I've gotten much more regular about it this year. Uh, unfortunately, I ran into a problem with my outline for book four, which you, if you listen to my other podcast, you would have heard me complaining about. But every day I get up, I get my kids off to school. I have breakfast with my husband. And then at 9, 9 a.m. I'm at my desk. I close messages. I close everything. I find I don't need Mac freedom so much anymore. It's like, no, no, I'm going to be in charge of, of it. At 9 a.m. I get back to working on what I'm doing. For instance, the zombie novellas, which were about 30,000 words each, took me two or three weeks each, just right from 9 to 12 or 9 to 1, have lunch, and then usually my kids start coming home. So I take care of admin stuff in the afternoon or start driving them around places. Uh, so nine, nine to one definitely is just me, just my time. I listen to uh, soundtracks or scores 
because I don't want any voices. I don't want to be listening to any lyrics. I just listen or this thing called trailer music, which is the music from like movie trailers, which uh -huh. is designed to invoke an emotional response in three or four minutes. And it's great. It, I totally zone out. I listen to this music uh, and I write. Oh, that is very interesting. You don't get distracted. Like if you, if it's a song that you remember from the radio or something, you'd be like, oh, I remember that right. song. And I remember when I was whatever, you don't get distracted. That's a good yeah. idea. Yeah. Uh, I guess if, well, yeah, if you could listen to music uh, in a language you don't understand, that might work too. But yeah, <laughs> I, I found my thing. I'm just going to stick with that for a while. Yeah, it's working for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> so can you describe a little bit about the, about the, your, 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 your series, your current series right now, just a little bit about the, uh, the, the characters and, and if the, all the three books, how they're intertwined together or the standalones. Okay. The, um, the first book currently is a novella that's free everywhere. Hmm. And, uh, that introduces the character that was actually written third <laughs> of the three because I wanted to have a little introductory novella and that is, and then, um, the main character. So the main character and her sister moved to San Antonio, Texas, where she is developing her new identity, uh, which is the name that we know her under for the series, Drusilla Thorne. And her sister is Stevie. And Stevie uh, is very quiet and reserved. And we learn over time why she is so uh, withdrawn and unable to deal with uh, the outside world. Drusilla, however, has zero problems with this. She is responsible for her little sister. She is responsible for keeping them off the radar of the people who are looking for them. And she, uh, she has to take care of everything above the law, below the law. She's not too, uh, too upset about where things end up for her. And she's a private investigator, right? Well, what happens? So one of the things I, have read a ton of amateur sleuth mystery novels over the years. One of the things that has driven me crazy about some of them is after the second book in the series, there is no reason why this person would keep stumbling across dead bodies. <laughs> yeah. you know, like Jessica if, Fletcher. <laughs> yeah, if my kid, yeah, the most dangerous city in America. You know, if my kid's kindergarten teacher discovers a dead body, this is terrible. The third or fourth time she does it, I want my kid out of that, <laughs> you know, out of that classroom. So why does she keep getting involved with these people? Because she has this unwillingness to worry so much about the legal limits, the legal lines for doing things, things that, that you and I wouldn't even consider doing. She's like, yeah, you want me to break into somebody's apartment? Yeah, sure. Let's go do that. So that's, she ends up in Los Angeles with Stevie, a husband that she married in Las Vegas that happened off screen, uh, is murdered. And that's how she gets sort of involved in uh, a series of, of murders in Los Angeles. So, hmm. uh, and that is, that is one of the tricks that I have to come up with every, every book. Why does this woman keep finding dead bodies? You know, it's that much a police detective. They're paid to find dead bodies, yeah. you know, <laughs> police procedural. Those are, those are really great for looking into the life of uh, a police detective. I'm not that interested in following the day to day, particularly because I don't want to get that wrong. You know, I don't mm -hmm. want to get 
details of what the police do wrong. If someone is is working below the legal line, eh, you can make stuff up. You can yeah, make a little more leeway. Huh? So yeah, so that's that's the setup. And for a variety of reasons that I go into in the book, she can't leave Los Angeles. She's sort of trapped in Los Angeles. So it's, you know, Dante's Inferno meets uh, film noir. <laughs> cool. Love that description. So now uh, with your current work in progress, can you give us a little hint or a little tease as to what's, gonna, what's going on? Drusilla meets the man of her dreams, unfortunately, she found a dead body in their way first. That's so. good. Yeah, that, 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 that might bring a problem or two, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, there there are definitely times where I'm like, gosh, I wish I'd spent more time reading romance novels. <laughs> how, how does this work again? I met my husband. We immediately moved in together, and then we got married, and that was many, many years ago. I and don't the, know but, anything about the difficulty. I'm like, as far and as there, I can There are no tell, dead bodies? Yeah. <laughs> As far as I can tell, you know, romance and marriage are, are really pretty straightforward. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> okay. So now, is there anything uh, that you'd want to share uh, to, to readers who are uh, just discovering your books or are, are, interesting in, are interested in, in reading thrillers or mysteries? I hope the ride is as fun for you as it is for me, writing it. I love it when the characters surprise me and... Uh, I hope they surprise you too. And do you enjoy interacting with your with readers? Do they con when they contact you? Oh and, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's uh, it's a lot of fun talking to them. I I realize I know there's a whole there's a whole uh, method that people discuss for for talking to the community, and I just I guess I don't follow any of those rules. I'm just like, oh hey. <laughs> Yeah. Here's what's going on. <laughs> oh, that makes it more fun, I think, especially for the readers. Yeah. The the whole relationship of author and readers is changing so much anyway. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> so where where can they find you? Where where do you usually hang out online? Online, let's see. Uh, I am on Facebook. I have a personal page and I have an author page. For to keep all of the book things on the author page. Mm -hmm. uh, my books are available in all of the bookstores. Except the the only the no only the free novella is on Google Play for a variety of reasons, but I'm in all of the uh, the major bookstores, and I, I'm on Twitter. I spend an an inordinate amount of time on Twitter. That's probably my biggest uh, vice during the day. And I'm at sign Diane Patterson on Twitter. Okay, and your website is dianepatterson.com, right? Dianepatterson.com. All right. Well, I want to thank you very much for taking time for uh, for this interview and for yeah. being the first. Uh, author, uh, thriller author, and meet the thriller author. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Okay, talk to you later. Fun.